Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Neil Bawa. He is the CEO and founder of Multifamily University and also Grow Capitus, which helps people invest in multifamily real estate. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Neil. Thanks for having me on the show, Jordan. Super excited to be on. Just give us a brief, uh, uh, we're going to get into the details of real estate, but just give us a brief history of how you got involved in real estate and, and got to where you are today. Sure. Um, in reverse, actually, most people start with you know private lending or they do a flip or they do a buy and hold. And in my case, my first exposure to real estate was building from scratch a $6 million campus for my technology company. My boss decided to do it and decided to throw me into the deep end. And I whined, complained, and bitched and moaned through the whole one-year process. And I haven't stopped thanking him ever since. Very good. So let's talk about multifamily. What is the advantage of people who want to invest in real estate doing multifamily as opposed to single family if they want to invest? Well, firstly, this is a very mature asset class. Did you know that that in the 10th century in England, there were multifamilies being rented out? So it's, it's now 1,100 years worth of you know, maturity in this asset class. When you have a, a single rental, you lose a tenant, you go from an occupancy of 100 to zero. When I have a 250 unit, if I lose 10 tenants on the same day, which happens very rarely, but if I lose 10 of them, then I've only lost occupancy from 100% to 96%. So the kind of scale and advantages that I have with multifamily simply do not exist in single family. Cost segregation, for example, made a lot better by the 2017 Tax Act uh, allows me to basically write off 100% of the, the depreciable assets in the first year of ownership. So I've had investors that have given me $100,000 and I've sent them negative K-1s of $110,000, even though the property is sending cash flow as well. So the, the, the benefits, both on the taxation side as well as on the cash flow side, the long-term appreciation side are just stellar. So just explain that a little bit further. What difference did it make in the 2017 tax law compared to where it was before on depreciation and how that affects uh, the taxability of the income from real estate? Sure. So firstly, they allowed us to depreciate a lot of assets up front as opposed to depreciating them over time. So there were certain items in the depreciation schedule that we could you know, depreciate over time and give investors those kinds of benefits. But here, they allowed us to do 100% depreciation, and then they also allowed us to do something known as bonus depreciation. Both of those meant that when I buy a building, I have investors who make sure that they invest with me in, you know, towards the end of the year or, the, or you know, let's say in November or December, because it allows them to bring their tax bases down by a very large amount of money, especially if they have other passive gains to offset. Um, and, and some of those passive gains are there because of uh, other buildings that they've invested with me in that are now being sold. Okay, so uh, you're talking about a 250 unit uh, building. That's a very big building for the average individual who's not gonna be able to buy into something no. that big. What is the minimum multifamily? Is it like four? Units, or what's the minimum that you think makes sense for people to invest in if they want to create a passive income stream? Well, honestly, um, you know, you can, you can, multifamily starts with five units. So one to four units are a single family loan and are based on your credit. 
at five, it's based on the property's uh, cash flow. You can, if you have a bankruptcy, you cannot get buy a single family home or duplex or triplex or a quadplex. But did you know that if, even if you have got a bankruptcy on your credit, if you have some experience, you can actually buy a five unit because it's being underwritten based on its income, not based on yours. Very good. So uh, you, you have a course, which you call Multifamily University. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to go into some detail about uh, what, what's in that. But how, how difficult is it for people to learn how to be a multifamily investor? Well, I wish I could say it's very straightforward, but the truth is it's not as straightforward as, let's say, fixing and flipping. So you can learn a lot about fixing and flipping from watching TV shows. Multifamily does require more work. But a an analogy that I like to give people is you get, go get a bachelor's degree and it, you do four years of education, roughly you know, you know, 800 hours a year. So now you've spent 3,200 hours in college to get a degree that might give you a five, 10, $15,000 a year boost. On, on the multifamily side, if you go out and buy a single multifamily that's, you know, let's say 100 or 200 units, the, the back-end profits, the acquisition fees, all of those add up often to a number over a million dollars. So while it's not as easy to learn how to do multifamily, it certainly is not comparable to the four years that you spend in school. So typically several hundred hours of work would need to be put in, but it's not complex. There's just a lot to take in. Yeah. So, um... Uh, it's obviously an attractive asset class and people are looking for yield these days. Mm -hmm. um, but I would assume that means it's competitive. So if you have a lot of people in multifamily knowing what they're doing, have the prices gone up too much so it's, it doesn't make uh, as, as good cash flow as it did in the past? So I'm going to answer that question in two different ways. So are prices much more competitive? Yes. In the last six or seven years, the prices have gone up a great deal. They've only dropped about 2% since the start of COVID. So obviously, because the asset class is very attractive, that's, there hasn't been much of a decline. Sharks like me are waiting, but unfortunately, at this point, there's no blood in the water. None, none to, to, that I can discern. The second part of the answer is, it's still extremely attractive. And I'll tell you why. So... Obviously, uh, over time, as multifamily has gotten more expensive, the cash flow has gone down. But it's still quite normal for investors to receive 7% uh, cash flow on their investors, 7% a year, right? So that's, that's a good number because today, you know, when you're buying 10-year treasuries, you're making 1% and you're locked in for 10 years. And on, you know, money's in the bank, you're making nothing. So... What has happened over time is over the last seven years, as interest rates have gone down to the point where they are at zero, the yield for every kind of asset in the world has gone down, especially if it's cash flowing. It's not just real estate, but any kind of assets. Dividends are down you know, dramatically because of the, the, the COVID hit, but we're still cash flowing at almost the pre-COVID level. You've already heard about this, that apartments were not hit much. Our occupancy nationwide has only declined by about half a percent. Yes, we can't raise rents right now, but we haven't dropped any rents. So rents have not gone down. Maybe they've gone down about 0.3%. Occupancy is down about half a percent. So in our world, very little has changed except the fact that the asset class is very heavily validated. 
because for those friends of mine that chose to invest in retail or in hospitality, they've those places, their revenues down 60 or 70% where our revenues down 5% at best, at, at worst. Very good. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Neil Bawa. He is the CEO and founder of Multifamily University, teaches everybody about investing in multifamily uh, real estate. You can find out more at his website, which is multifamilyubootcamps.com. We'll be back after this. Times are tough right now, but Harry's Razors are still here to help you look your best while saving you a little cash along the way. Harry's has your grooming needs covered with high-quality blades as low as $2 each delivered straight to your doorstep. I've been using Harry's Ravers, Shavers and Shave Gel for about a month now, and I really enjoy the smoothness of the shave and the smell of the gel. I also find the blades last a lot longer than traditional blades, while they still cost less. I've switched to Harry's and signed up for the long-term subscription to get them automatically. Now you can join over 10 million men who've tried and loved the Harry's Shave. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com answers to get a free trial set. Harry's is a return to the essential, quality, durable blades at a fair price of just $2 a blade. Harry's cuts out the middleman by manufacturing blades in their German factory that have been honing blades for more than a century. That means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. Blades are delivered to your door directly on your schedule, whether you sign up for a subscription or not. In this particularly challenging time, you can feel a little better about your purchase because 1% of the proceeds of each sale are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide access to better health care for men and veterans. To support those who need it most right now, Harry's is donating $1 million worth of shaving supplies to hospitals across the U.S. Listeners to the Money Answer Show can redeem their Harry's trial by clicking on harrys.com answers. You get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer, trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So go to harrys.com answers to start shaving better today. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Neil Bawa. He is the CEO and founder of Multifamily University, uh, teaching people about multifamily real estate. You can find out more at his website, multifamilyu.com. Welcome back to the show, Neil. Thanks for having me back on, Jordan. So you were talking about the difference between how commercial real estate apartments have done compared to uh, other kinds of commercial real estate, uh, both retail and offices. What has been the difference in the impact of COVID on those two different kinds of commercial real estate? Sure. Um, I think what we've seen is on the one side, there's multifamily, there's self-storage, there's data centers. And then on the other side, there's other asset classes that are really getting hit. I, I, I should also say industrial's done really well so far. Uh, a lot of that is because of the rapid e-commerce you know, needs being accelerated by COVID. Industrial's done well. But then you've got asset classes like hospitality. I mean, I, I'm almost tempted. I'm not a hospitality guy. I'm not a hotel guy. But I'm almost tempted to create a distress fund because I know that six months from today, there's going to be hotels selling for 50 cents on the dollar. Um, the impact on, um, on retail has even been more dramatic because a lot of retailers, um, you know, a lot of these retail strip owners and malls are only getting 30 to 40% of their rents, which means they don't even have six months. I mean, they might have three months or maybe four at the most before we start seeing fire sales. So I am, you know, I am at this time forecasting an extremely radical reworking of the American landscape when it comes to retail space, both for strip malls as well as for large malls. I think that the ultra high-end malls that are that are doing well will sur- survive, but um, there's going to be an incredible, incredible fire sale of these kinds of assets come Q4. Which is not happening in rental real estate. Is it getting harder for people to buy because their income is down? Um, they need bigger down payments and so on, so they're going to people going to be staying renting longer. That's what we are seeing. So there's more and more industry articles pointing out that in a recession, and we saw this in 2008 through 2010, people don't have the ability to buy single-family homes. So people who previously, let's say COVID hadn't happened and we we would have still been at three percent unemployment, a number of these people would have made that all important jump to becoming homeowners. And obviously, for every person that jumps over that line, we have less one less tenant. But what we saw in 2008 to 2010 is that demand for apartment housing for multifamily really didn't go down much. There was a brief decline for about six months. And then after that, it was just all up. The big reason for that is there were so many people on that borderline of being, you know, um, being owners that became renters. So we've seen a huge demand increase, and we project another huge demand increase. Well, we're already seeing a, a, a drastic slowdown in the single-family market. Some of that is simply because people are afraid. Some of that is because processing is so slow. And that demand always leads to an uplift in demand for our assets. You know, we, we usually buy B and C class multifamily. We have about 500 investors that are invested with us, and we're buying these 20 or uh, $30 million assets, 250 units, and we are seeing very, very steady demand. I mean, even though our offices are closed, people are picking up apartments by looking at our virtual tours. So, and and uh, normally, we, we tend to have a certain amount of churn, so 40% of our tenants leave every year, which means that each month about 4% of our tenants will leave. 
Well, those people that were giving us notices to vacate are taking them back because nobody wants to go anywhere in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And what's happening on the supply side? If there's so much demand, you'd think that builders would be building more multifamily apartments. They were, and it was beginning to hurt us until 2019. So over 300,000 units or close to 300,000 units were getting delivered each year from 15 until 19. But that pipeline has slowed dramatically in the last three to four months because getting construction loans has become a lot harder. And in, in certain areas, the loans are just not available anymore. In other areas, they're available, but they're available for much higher cost. So the same thing that is happening on the single family side where builders are getting hit because people are pulling out of these deposits that they had put down on homes and they're like, no, I lost my job. I'm sorry, you can keep my $5,000. I'm not buying a home. That's happening a lot on the single family side. Well, on the multifamily side, lenders are pulling out. And so the forecast of those 300,000 apartment units is already down to 200,000 units. Well, you, we still need those 100,000 units that we didn't construct, right? There's still a certain number of renters in the United States. And each year, that, that percentage of Americans that rent increases, has been increasing since 2005, but the supply isn't there. This isn't going to have an immediate impact. I don't think I'm raising rents this year. I don't think anybody else is going to raise rents this year. But a year or two years down the line, it's going to create a supply-demand gap. We saw that in 2008, 9, and 10 when we built hardly any apartments and no single family in this country. And then it caught up with us because you've seen the impact of rent raises. Traditionally, rent, rent increases have been 2% a year. But as you know, the last six or seven years, we've been doing more than double that. Yeah. Uh, what has been the impact of the Fed Reserve's uh, monetary policy on the real estate market? They've created some 3 to $4 trillion increase in their balance sheet the last few months. What is going to be the impact longer term on the real estate market from that? Well, I think it'll be similar to what we've seen before. Monetary policy and fiscal policy is very accommodative at this point in time. I've, I've never been a fan of you know what the Federal Reserve does, but I know what, what its impact will be. It makes it blows asset bubbles, and you know real estate is one of those bubbles. So essentially, what what's going to happen is when you throw four trillion dollars, and we didn't do anywhere near that in 2008. I think that the total number in 2008 was just around one trillion. So we've taken that and we've quadrupled that number. That pushes an enormous amount of liquidity into the marketplace, creates a hunger for yield. Now we have a massive number of investors looking for yields. They cut interest rates down to zero, which means that you know, bonds become unattractive. So there's this hunger for yield and it pushes up asset prices, not just in real estate, but also in other asset classes. It pushes up demand for Bitcoin and stocks. Now, none of that is immediate. I still forecast a slight decline in rents. I still forecast a slight decline in prices on the multifamily side and a significant one, as I mentioned, for hotels and retail. Why? Because in the middle of the recession, we are losing households because some of those people are going to go live with mom or dad or go live in a basement or live in a mobile home park or live in their car. And so for a short term, there's going to be a downside to every recession. But I tell people, if you look beyond that 12 to 18 month tough horizon, the Federal Reserve just did us a $4 trillion favor. And from what we've seen, it boosts asset prices in the long run. So you're saying it's a better time to buy now when the market's a bit weak because when it comes back, the prices will go up. 
unquestionably. I am, we are looking to be extremely aggressive in the second half of this year. Did we buy anything in the first, you know, in, in this COVID quarter? No, because the, as, I, as I said, I'm, you know, we buy, we, we bought over $250 million worth of apartments. We're not going to buy until there's blood in the water because right now it makes no sense. Even apartments need to be discounted. Why? Well, look at my apartments, right? We have 2,000 units under management. Num- number one, we were scheduled to raise rents. We couldn't. Number two, our delinquency went up because there were some people who realized they couldn't be ev- evicted and basically just decided to play with their credit and not pay rent. And so even multifamily, our income went down. And when income goes down, prices go down because prices for multifamily are based on income. So I'm waiting like everybody else is. So yes, Jordan, you're absolutely right. Q4 this year, great time to buy. Yeah. Um, Okay, so um, for people who want to invest with you, are you buying, allowing people to buy individual apartments or buy into a fund? What is the structure you have for people who want to buy into the the units that you have? Something in between individual apartments and a fund. A fund is blind pool. What that means is I, I, you give me money and I use that to buy a bunch of properties. What we do is we, we give individuals the choice of investing into a particular property and they end up buying a slice of that property. So instead of buying an entire property for themselves, they end up buying a slice of it and we manage that property for a fee and for a profit share for them. We have a successful track record of doing that with over 500 current investors invested with us in 13 projects in nine states in the country. And what is the minimum to invest? Typically 50 to $100,000 depending upon the project. The vast majority of our projects are for somebody known as accredited investor and most people don't know what that means, which is okay. But when they come in, we ask them four or five simple questions and based on that, we decide whether they're eligible to invest in our projects or not. So accredited basically means they've got a million in assets, their income is 200000 for an individual, 300000 for a couple. So do you have anything for non-accredited investors? From time to time, but we have to build a relationship with non-accredited investors first. So we encourage those investors to come to us and talk with us about our projects and so that we can take, and be, take that time to build a relationship. We are not allowed to offer a project immediately until a relationship has been built first. But yes, the answer is yes. Okay. And then what kind of yields of people who are getting in for fifty or 100000 uh, what kind of cash yields are they getting and what would you expect the total return to be? Well, I assume the properties are going to be sold in five to seven years. What are you expecting longer term? Usually about 7 to 8% cash flow is what we're targeting, 7 to 8% annualized. And then the returns that are being targeted are somewhere between 18% annualized to 25% annualized, depending upon whether it's a new construction project, which is riskier, so higher returns, or it's a a value-add or existing project where we're just buying a building and improving it, in which case it's probably on the lower end of that. The key, though, is these are all projected returns, and there's a lot of people that are in the field that that are projecting these kinds of returns. The proof really is what are what am I doing that's different from anybody else? So I'd love to, you know, um, to talk about that if we have a minute. We'll do that after the break. Um, I'm going to go to a break right now. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest for this hour is Neil Bawa. He is the CEO and founder of Multifamily University. You can find out more about his courses and all of what he offers at his website, multifamilyu.com. We'll be back after this. 
Times are tough right now, but Harry's Razors are still here to help you look your best while saving you a little cash along the way. Harry's has your grooming needs covered with high-quality blades as low as $2 each delivered straight to your doorstep. I've been using Harry's Shavers and Shave Gel for about a month now, and I really enjoy the smoothness of the shave and the smell of the gel. I also find that the blades last a lot longer than traditional blades, while they still cost less. I've switched to Harry's and signed up for the long-term subscription to get them automatically. Now you can join over 10 million men who've tried and loved the Harry's Shave. Claim your free trial offer by going to harrys.com answers to get a free trial set. Harry's is a return to the essential, quality, durable blades at a fair price of just $2 a blade. Harry's cuts out the middleman by manufacturing blades in their German factory that's been honing blades for more than a century. That means you get incredibly high-quality blades at factory direct prices. Blades are delivered to your door directly on your schedule, whether you sign up for a subscription or not. In this particularly challenging time, you can feel a little better about your purchase because 1% of the proceeds for each sale are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide access to better health care for men and veterans. To support those who need it most right now, Harry's is donating $1 million worth of shaving supplies to hospitals across the U.S. Listeners to the Money Answer Show can redeem their Harry's trial by clicking on harrys.com answers. You get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com answers to start shaving better today. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Neil Bawa. He is the CEO and founder of Multifamily University, teaching people about uh, multifamily rental real estate. You can find out more at multifamilyu.com. Com. Welcome back to the show, Neil. Thanks, Jordan. So we're going to talk a little bit about the course you teach, which is a free course people can get online. Is that correct? Are, that's, are there certain times they can get it, or how do they access that course if they want to take it? So I teach it live usually once in a month, and I also it's also available on udemy.com. So udemy.com is the world's largest online university. So there's thousands or tens of thousands of free courses available on Udemy. And this course happens to consistently be the best rated 
real estate course, free or paid, on udemy.com. So you can go to udemy.com and type in my name, Neil, that's N-E-A-L, Bawa, B-A-W-A, and you will see that right now I think there's about 6,000 people taking the course. So we're going to go into the details of what's in the different modules, but coming out of it, if people have taken the whole thing, what is a realistic expectation of the skills that people will have to be able to apply it to buying multifamily real estate? So we have a free course and we have a paid course. The free course focuses and, and it gives everything that you need that there's no holdback. There's no, oh, you have to buy this or buy that subscription. Everything that you need is included. The free course focuses on figuring out the best cities and best neighborhoods in the United States for real estate investing. It is a very specific and very prescriptive course, comes with Excel spreadsheets, comes with cheat sheets, tells you all of the steps that you need to take. Once you look at, okay, well, I'm interested in Cleveland or I'm interested in Orlando or I'm interested in these five or six cities, maybe my, my mom lives there or maybe, maybe they're close to me or I live there. So once we, you come up with a list of cities, we teach you exactly how to compare those cities to other cities using a set of parameters that are that makes sense. Most of these are like, oh, yeah, that sort of makes sense. You're, you're talking about population growth and income growth and job growth and home price growth and crime reduction. All of these make sense. The key, the beauty is that we've run statistical analysis on 3,000 American cities and we've back tested the data to correlate a certain amount of growth in all of these numbers to real estate profits. At what point does it make sense to go into Cleveland? At what point does it make sense to go into Philadelphia? So what are those numbers? What are those Goldilocks ranges for each of these numbers? And that's what that course focuses on. First, it teaches you how to do it for cities. And then when, once you pick the cities, it then teaches you how to do that for neighborhoods inside of those cities. Because all great cities have trashy neighborhoods. We know that. Yeah. Right, let's just going to very briefly give people a taste of what the different modules are of the boot camp. The first one is multifamily and syndication fundamentals. So what do you do in yep. that module? So it's, it's really not fundamentals, it's deep dive. I'm teaching you how exactly you're taking other people's money and how are you structuring your, your project, right? What, how are you coming up with the structure so that people can give you twenty-five or fifty or $100,000 to invest? Uh, and and how does that how how does that work in the syndication world? So it, it's it's uh, the the deal structuring process in the first module. And the second module is the best and worst metros in the U.S. for cash flow. So this is based on the numbers you said you were rushing. You you tell people how to find the best because you don't necessarily have to only invest in where you're living. You can invest in other places. Is that correct? Yes, and in most cases that's what you'll end up doing if you're a professional money manager. You're not necessarily looking to invest where you are. Very few professional money managers invest in the city that they live in. It's actually the exception to the rule. And so that portion, that portion, you know, the, the module two gets really in-depth on how you're going to pick your cities and then within those cities, how you're going to pick those neighborhoods that make an incredible amount of profit. So that's your third module is how to pick an ideal neighborhood. You yep. talk about your secret sauce. You don't have to give away the secret sauce, but how do you uh, pick an ideal neighborhood to invest in? Well, you look at its income levels. You look at its poverty levels. So what we found, Jordan, is if you allow the poverty level in a neighborhood to be above 20%, if it's above 20%, you will face a large amount of delinquency. You will face a large amount of churn. Delinquency means 
they'll pay, I don't know, four months out of six. Well, now you have to hire a lawyer, you have to sue them, you have to deal with eviction costs. That's not a way to make money. Then churn means instead of living for two or three years in your apartment complex, they're going to live there for a year and then they're going to move away. And when that happens, you have all these turnover costs, you know, repainting the units and ripping out the carpets and doing all of that stuff. Again, not a way to make money. So you've got to have the poverty level be below 20%. You've got to have their income level be between 40 and 70,000. That's a Goldilocks zone. And you might say, well, what about richer neighborhoods? The answer is, sure, you can go there, but there's no cash flow. Your Goldilocks zone today in the United States is forty dollars to $70,000 median household income for the neighborhood, right? For that one neighborhood itself. So those sorts of statistics, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get too much into details, but every one of those statistics and Goldilocks zone has been back-tested statistically. I am a geek, as you can tell. And we take that data and we, we allow people to get access to that data for free using free web sources. So within 10 minutes, you can compare any city in America to any other city and figure out which ones are better. So the idea for the rich neighborhoods is uh, you're gonna get more rent, but you're gonna pay more for it so the cash flow is not as good, is that right? Exactly, so I tell people, if you're a patient and you're interested more in appreciation, sure, go above 70,000 median income. But I warn you, you won't be able to get investors to invest with you because those investors are not going to be as patient as you are and they want cash flow. And once you go significantly above that $70,000, you can get a lot more appreciation, but you're going to get a lot less cash flow. So what is your view about the current situation in America where you have looting going on and uh, autonomous zones and uh, all kinds of disturbances, disturbances and protests and so on. Is that going to affect where people want to invest in real estate? I think that we are seeing a once-in-a-lifetime change. A lot of people think this is a disease, it's a pandemic, it's going to go away. I, I believe that that is as far from the truth as you can get. So COVID, in the long run, and don't beat me for this, Jordan, it may actually be seen as a good thing. Yes, it's a tragedy. We'll, by, by the time all said and done, we'll probably end up losing 200,000 lives just in the U.S., a million worldwide. But COVID has democratized, democratized where you work and where you play. There were a few enlightened companies which were a few, in, few positions within the companies you could work remotely, or maybe they let you work remotely two days a week or three days a week. All of that has now changed. I do not believe that we are going to go back to where we were in, in Feb. I believe that a significant number of companies throughout the, the world, especially for jobs like in finance and jobs in tech, those jobs are democratized forever. And so you're going to see a structural shift. Why would somebody pay $4,000 for a one bedroom rent in San Francisco when he can go to a dozen metros around the US with less traffic better quality of living, better schools, and pay $600 in rent? Well, the answer has to be that people were afraid that they leave San Francisco, they leave their job with them. That's no longer happening. Not, San Francisco has seen a 9% decline in rent in three months. It yeah. saw nothing of that sort in 2008, right? So this, is, this is a big impact on, on the value of inner city real estate then for that. 
we're going to see a very uneven impact. We're going to see certain areas that are going to be hit very hard as people move back, not just towards the suburbs. We are seeing a move towards the suburbs. Right now in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's people bidding on uh, you know, in, on houses in Tracy like crazy. Tracy is about 40 miles away because now they may n- never have to go into work. And if, even if they do, it, it may be once a week instead of being, you know, three or four times a week. So that's happening. But here's what's also happening. I, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and I believe it's the most unique place on earth. I'd never live anywhere else. I think that th- th- this place has an incredible vibe. But one thing I cannot deny that 30 cities in the San Francisco Bay Area have lost population in the last 12 months. That has not happened since they started keeping census records. 30 cities. The big reason for that is those people are not leaving to go to the suburbs. They're leaving to go to Phoenix, to Portland, maybe to Seattle, though Seattle's pretty expensive these days. They're going to Provo, Utah. They're going to Raleigh, North Carolina. They're going to Durham. These are people saying, I don't have to live here anymore. So I think that these places that I just mentioned, you see a very significant increase in real estate over the next 10 years. And then super expensive places like New York, like San Francisco, you're going to see a decline in real estate over time. I don't, I'm not predicting a crash of any kind in these places. These are still extremely robust markets. They're superstar markets. But I think that it would be very, very hard for prices to go up in these sorts of places when there's population decline. Yeah. Okay, your next module in your course is brokers and properties. Briefly, what do you find there? Well, what I find is most people, you know, when they teach these modules, they simply tell people, oh, you know, go, you know, talk to, just fly there and talk to brokers. What I've found is that if you use technology cleverly, you can find those brokers, find the top brokers in the U.S. just by using a computer. So in this module, I teach a technology-fueled process of finding the best brokers in America, and then I teach you exactly what to say to them. Because depending on what you say to them, they're going to give you off-market properties or not. So it's very, very tech-fueled uh, module with, with lots of interesting methodologies that I've discovered over the last five years. So it's better to get a property that's not on the market so you're not competing with others for it. Absolutely. Because to be honest, and I, I have to confess, Jordan, this is true of me as well, when you get into that bidding process, you tend to reach a little bit more than you should have. I've made that mistake in the past myself. Yeah. And then your next module is how to evaluate or underwrite properties. How do you do that? Well, underwriting is the art and science of figuring out how much a property is worth based on its income and its expenses. And so this module, once again, is technology-fueled because we are on the board of advisors of a company that automates underwriting, and we basically provide an ongoing uh, feedback for them. And we use their uh, artificial intelligence-based model. It's an AI model. Um, they use machine learning, and then we combine that with our methodologies to present a very quick but very detailed way so that you can figure out how much a property is worth. This is, this is not much harder to do than for a single-family home because there's a lot of aspects that you need to look at, and so using technology so that you don't make stupid mistakes is absolutely the key. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Neil Bawa. He is the CEO and founder of Multifamily University, teaches people how to invest in multifamily real estate. Uh, The website to find is multifamilyu.com. We'll be back after this. 
From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Neil Bawa, CEO and founder of Multifamily University, uh, teaching about uh, investing in multifamily properties. You can find out more at multifamilyu.com. Welcome back to show, Neil. Thank you, Jordan. So we're going through the different modules in the free course you have online. Number six is syndication and legal structuring fundamentals. What do people find out about there? Um, there's a number of things that you shouldn't be doing if you're taking other people's money because in essence, what you're doing is you're selling a security, but you're not filing an initial public offering on a stock exchange. Because you're not doing that, you're using waivers, you need to know exactly how to structure it so that it's legally appropriate and you don't get into trouble. And that's what this module delves into. The next module is how to raise private money for your projects. What, what is the idea there? Well, that's the fun part. I mean, Jordan, that, that is the biggest value of the course. We raise about $40 million a year and people want to know not just the basics of how to raise money, but they want to know the specifics of how to raise money. What should I be saying to investors? What, what are the, the features and benefits that investors need to know? Should I be contacting them over email? Should I be doing webinars? Should I be doing you know, live events? You know, how does all of this work? So we do a very complicated step-by-step workshop on how to raise money. And our students have been very successful taking that methodology and raising tens of millions of dollars for their own multifamily projects. That's really, this is where the rubber meets the road. If you can't raise money, 
putting an offer on a, on a multifamily property that you found off-market is not going to help you. The eighth module is to find, evaluate, and work with property managers. What's so difficult about that? Well, to be honest, because there, there's a lot more crappy property managers out there than good ones. And in the end, once you've purchased the property, so you know you raised money, you bought a property, in the end, now you have to run it for three to five years. That's the typical duration of a multifamily investment. And the biggest X factor, once you've made the purchase, is the quality of your property managers. I like to say there are no good property managers, but you can take an average property manager and through your systems and through your checklist, you can elevate them to a very good. If they're good already, you can elevate them to excellent. So you can move them up two notches using your systems, processes, checklists, even specific words that you say in meetings to them. All of that information is in the raising money module. So what is it about property managers that is not done well that can always be done better, as you say, raise them up two notches? Well, the first thing that we've seen is property managers that are very experienced are not good with technology. So when we go into properties, we bring in the technology, we bring in the systems, we bring in the updated processes. We have a team in the Philippines and we show our students how to hire people in the Philippines. I have 18 full-time employees and those employees actually optimize the properties. My team in the Philippines raises more than 30,000 tenant leads each year, processes them, gets over a thousand people to come to the property to check it out and we sign hundreds of additional leases. Each lease is worth $10,000. So all of that stuff is taught in this module. I mean, these are the, really the, the, a, a technology-fueled property management masterclass. Then your ninth module is asset management practices, uh, how to optimize your uh, return on investment, basically. How, what do you teach on that one? Well, now you're, you're, you know, you're doing your day-to-day -day property management, but at a high level, how is your property performing? What should you be doing? Should you build more units? Should you rehab those units? Should you be installing granite countertops in this place or is laminate okay for this marketplace? Should you be charging for your parking? Should you be charging for pets? What are all of the things that are going to raise the, the profit of a property? And what are all the specific steps that you take to do that? Because yes, you can manage your property manager well on a day-to-day on -day basis, but you've got to have the 30,000 foot overview and that module gives it to you. And your last module is your 40, 45 day action plan. What do they actually come out with to actually put all this learning into action? An absolutely prescriptive model. Every step, they're, they're taking roughly 45 actions in those 45 days. Some actions take 20 minutes and others take 10 hours. So they're, they're coming out with step-by-step -step instructions on day one, do this, day, day two, do this, day three, do this, and just follow this plan. And by 45, the 45th day, you'd be amazed at how far you've come. You would have already had broker conversations. You would have already received your first property. You would have already put in your first offer. All of those things would happen in the first 45 days. Just follow it. Get up in the morning and say, what am I doing today? And then you offer a digital student resource kit. What's in that? Well, um, lots and lots of resources. For example, when you go out and get that first property, you're going to need to know who are the best lenders in America that can lend to you. When you will need checklists, you will need um, you know, Monday morning dashboard reports, a variety of these things that are really going to help you be successful. You'll need to know that if I got a building in contract, I now have 60 days to close. What do I do on day one? And what can I leave for day 10? 
And by day 15, what are all the things that must be done for me to close in time? All of those are in our um, in, in these uh, resource kits that we provide to students. And then you have a multifamily university underwriting template. Uh, what's in that to help people evaluate a building? Well, so the process of figuring out how much to pay based on expenses and based on income is much more complicated for multifamily than it is for single family. Single family, you can just go to bigger pockets or places like that and you can get a free template. That multifamily, you really have to be more detailed. So not only do we provide an underwriting template that you can fill in, we actually provide videos that are embedded into this, this uh, uh, template. So if you're not clear in any one section, you can just immediately watch a video. Who would make a good student and who would not make a good student? What kind of attributes? Do you have to be very detail-oriented or who, you know, who's going to uh, benefit from all of this? Well, the answer is it's a very wide palette for one simple reason. No one can really take down a 10 or $20 million building by themselves. So when students come in for our events, we actually pair them up with other students. So there's got to be, and you're right, Jordan, there's got to be a guy that's detail-oriented or a gal that's detail-oriented, um, you know, because they have to do the underwriting and, and pour over the property management and, and look at the accounting. But then you've also got to have the person that is very good with sales because you've got to talk to investors. And so if you've got that sort of skill where you're presentable and don't mind going out to Starbucks, these days do Zoom, uh, and talking with investors about this opportunity, then you can play that role. Remember, this is like when you buy a $20 million uh, building, you're, you're really buying a company. And in a company, the managers play different roles. So there's the sales role, there's the underwriting or analysis role, there's the asset management role, and then there's the guy that goes out and finds the buildings and performs the due diligence and closes the deal. So if you have this, these skill sets, you're fine because I have never met a person in so many years in this industry that had all of these skill sets and liked to do all of them. In about a minute or so we have left, why don't you kind of summarize why people should look into multifamily investing compared to traditional commercial real estate or even stocks or bonds? America is becoming a nation of rich and poor people. The middle class is hollowing out. Each year the home ownership rate drops. Google it, it drops every single year. We're becoming closer to Europe where very few people actually own homes. In this sort of environment, the best thing that you can do is become a landlord. But if you don't have money, then the best thing you can do is to buy properties with other people's money, which is why I think that every year investing in multifamily, investing in apartments becomes more compelling, especially in an environment where the feds want to throw money at you at ridiculous interest rates that we've never seen. Very good. Well, we've learned a lot this last hour. My guest has been Neil Bawa. He's the CEO and founder of Multifamily University, teaching people all about multifamily real estate. Uh, you can find out more at his website, multifamilyu.com. Thanks so much, Neil. We've learned a lot this last hour. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks very much, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.